the week following Easter in 2016, after having a couple months of conversation with the search committee here at First Presbyterian Church, I was invited to come for a two-day on-site interview here in Southwest Florida. So I excitedly booked a flight from O'Hare Airport to Southwest Florida. The morning of the flight arrived and I had to catch a 420 bus from Rockford, Illinois to O'Hare. I caught the bus, I sat down on my seat, I messaged the leader of the search committee. I said, hey, I'm on my way, just wanted to let you know I'll be there at this time. And we confirmed those last minute details. And then I sat in in my seat, opened a book and took a deep breath. After about 30 minutes of the bus ride, the unthinkable happened. The traffic from Rockford to Chicago along Highway 90 came to a grinding halt. I mean, it was a parking lot. Not to worry, I thought. I had given myself plenty of time from 4.20 to 7.30 to allow for any sort of setback along the way. So I sat there somewhat calmly and then the bus driver came over the intercom and said, I did some research here talking to the other bus drivers ahead and discovered that there has been an accident on the construction of a bridge. It turned out a support beam for a bridge came collapsing down. Not to worry, the bus driver told us. So we got off the highway and we we're going to take an alternate route. Unfortunately, things didn't get any better very quickly. I sat back trying to be calm and patient, continued reading my book. But two hours went by. Finally, I messaged the leader of the search committee and I said, hey, just want to let you know, I might not make my flight. It turns out that after two hours, I arrived at the airport at about 7 a.m., which gave me about 30 minutes to go through security and to get to my gate. I flew through security and I sprinted down to the gate only to watch as the plane departed. I missed my flight. Still trying not to panic, I went up and talked to the ticket agent and I asked what my options were. She booked me on a later flight, but that flight was going to get me in about two hours late for my interview. So I sat down, I took another deep breath, I prayed a little bit, and I decided to do a Google search. I pulled out my phone and I looked for other flights that might be on other airplanes or other airlines. And I decided to book a flight through another airline and I had to sprint from Terminal 3 all the way to Terminal 1 just to catch that flight. I got all the way there. I looked up on the announcement board and it said flight, teen, flight 1846 is delayed. Well, that's no problem at all. Delayed is better than canceled, I thought. A few minutes later, the announcement came over the intercom. Attention passengers of flight 1846 departing from O'Hare and arriving in Southwest Florida. That flight has been canceled due to mechanical errors. So I had to sprint to keep my ticket that was still booked on the other airline, I had to sprint from Terminal 1 all the way back to Terminal 3. And I caught that flight. But I arrived at my interview here at First Presbyterian Church two hours late. Not exactly the best way to start a first impression. So we've been talking about how to discern God's leadership in your life. How do you discern what God is calling you to do and to be about? 
It's hard not to read signs into the things that are going on around you. I mean, did God not want me to make it to Southwest Florida for the interview? Or was there some malevolent force that didn't want me to be here? How do you discern what God is calling you to do in these major life decisions? I hope you joined us for our previous episode. In that episode, we set the foundation for this series on spiritual discernment. We talked about it in this way. We said that the foundation for discernment is true either of human discernment or spiritual discernment. Every decision we make is a decision that is based on faith. Because we are human beings who have limited knowledge and limited ability to predict the variables on the front end and the consequences on the back end, because we are finite human beings and we have a limited perspective, we can't know the future or what things are going to happen. And therefore, every decision we make is a decision of faith. And also, we set the foundation that the difference between human discernment and spiritual discernment is that either we rely on our own limited human faculties or we lean into the very wisdom of God, which the scriptures tell us that God longs to give to us. And the only way to lean into God through true spiritual discernment is by relationship with Jesus Christ, through whom we have access to the Spirit of God, who enables to discern things that are of the spiritual world. That was the foundation we set last week. And now, we are going to look at an open-handed peace. You know, the word peace is a word that has rich biblical significance. Often, the Old Testament word that we translate as the word peace is a word that you actually may recognize. It's the word shalom. But that word carries with it a significance that far outweighs the English word that we translate for peace. The word shalom conveys with it a sense of completeness, of connectedness, of well-being, of wholeness that includes not only our relationship with God, but our relationship with other people, and even our internal relationship unto ourselves. This word shalom, we might be able to think of it in this way. The word shalom is where God's perfect will is done on earth as it already is in heaven. Think about the image of heaven in the scriptures and the way the scriptures portray what heaven is like. In the scriptures, we see imagery of a lion laying down with a lamb. Talk about an image of peace. These two creatures that are usually at odds with one another lying down together. In the scriptures, we also see the language that in heaven there is no more crying or sorrow or sighing or pain, but life everlasting. The brokenness of this world is no longer. The bully of death has been defeated once and for all. And maybe even most significantly, the image of heaven in the scriptures is the place where God's presence is fully dwelling with his people. And where God's presence is, there is peace. This is shalom, where God's perfect will is done. And what the Lord's Prayer teaches us is to actually pray for that to happen not only in heaven, but in our own lives. In the Lord's Prayer, we say this line together. We say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When the will of God is discerned in our lives, 
oftentimes it comes with peace. In the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 7, the Apostle Paul writes these words about the peace that can be ours. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul talks to us about a peace that surpasses all understanding. Now, this peace isn't a peace that necessarily has human circumstances tied to it, but rather it's a peace of heart and mind despite the circumstances that are going on around us. The reality is this, that oftentimes when we're discerning difficult things, the circumstances of our lives are anything but peaceful. That's actually the context of the Apostle Paul. Paul wrote these words from the book of Philippians as he was sitting in a jail cell unsure as to whether he was going to live or if he was going to die. The peace that surpasses all understanding is this deep and abiding sense of peace in our hearts and our minds that is independent of our circumstances. Several years ago, I read a book with the title of Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership by an author by the name of Ruth Haley Barton. In that book, Barton looks at the Jesuit tradition that was co-founded by St. Ignatius of Loyola. In that book, she talks about this peace that we have when we're discerning the things of God. She says these words, St. Ignatius of Loyola describes these inner dynamics as consolation and desolation. Consolation is the interior movement of the heart that gives a deep sense of life-giving connection with God, others, and my most authentic self. It is the sense that all is right with the world, that I am free to be given over to God and to love even in moments of pain and crisis. In other words, when we experience this peace that surpasses all understanding, it's a holistic peace that includes our relationship with God, our relationship with other people, and even our relationship with ourselves. It's a peace that is independent of our circumstances, and it's one that we can even experience in pain and crisis. This becomes one of the instruments by which we discern what God is leading us to do and to be in this world. Barton continues, By contrast, desolation is the loss of a sense of God's presence and peace. We feel out of touch with God, with others, and with our most authentic selves. It is the experience of being off-center, full of turmoil, confusion, and maybe even rebellion. I think this is a helpful frame for us to understand how to discern God's will in our lives. Often, if we are discerning that God is leading us to something, it comes with this sense of peace, of wholeness, of connection with God, with others, and even with ourselves. By contrast, if we are discerning that it's not where God is calling us to go, it leads to this sense of disconnection from God, from others, and even from ourselves. I've known people who were making really difficult life decisions that were full of joy and full of heartbreak. And in the midst of those settings, they have found that there is a peace that they can cling to. I remember one time I was praying with this young man as he was about to get married to his soon-to-be bride. 
before the wedding, he confessed to me that he was extremely anxious. And I said, well, why don't we pray together? So we prayed together, Lord, I ask that you would give this man peace if this is what you are calling him to. And we said, amen. And following that prayer, he had this deep and abiding sense of peace. And with great confidence, he walked before the aisle and made his vows to his wife to love her in good times and bad, in joy and sorrow and sickness and in health. It was the peace of God that gave him an incredible sense of calm to do this. Likewise, I've known people to be in really heartbreaking circumstances who have found this peace. I remember sitting by the bedside of one gentleman who was battling a terrible disease. It was literally the last few days of his life. And he said to me, I know that I'm not going to pull through this. And yet I know where I'm going. And because I know where I'm going, I'm ready. Talk about a peace that surpasses all understanding. As he faced the great unknown that none of us have yet faced, he did so with great faith. This is consolation, the peace that surpasses all understanding. In my own life, I had a situation where there was something I was praying through. My wife and I had been married for about five years, and candidly, she got to the place where she was ready to start a family before I did. So she approached me one day and said, hey Brad, I've been thinking, I've been thinking that maybe it's time for us to think about having kids and starting a family. And we talked about it for a little while, and internally I was really struggling. I didn't think I was mature enough. I thought I was too selfish. I didn't think we were financially prepared for it. I had all these reasons why I didn't think we were ready to start this adventure together. And so I got this pit in my stomach of anxiety. And I said, Lauren, we're just going to have to put this conversation on time out. She said, okay, we picked it up another night. That next time, the same pit showed up in my stomach. So finally, after many different times of the same experience happening, she said, Brad, don't you think it's time we take it to the Lord in prayer? And that night, we did take it to the Lord in prayer. We had this sweet time with the Lord, asking God what his will was for our lives. And we got done with that prayer. And she goes, Brad, did you sense that God was saying anything to you in this moment? I said, actually, I did. She said, what did you sense? And I said, I got the feeling like it's time. And that what God was telling me is that through this adventure of becoming a parent, that I'm going to learn more about God's love for me than through any other exercise that I've gone through in life. And that's actually proven to be true. I've often joked with people that there's just a couple of things in life that I'm called to. One is the ministry. Another is to be a parent. There's something about becoming a parent that made my soul come alive and aligned we with who I think God had always created me to be. But I wouldn't have discerned this if I hadn't taken it to the Lord in prayer and experienced that peace that surpasses all understanding through prayer. You know, there's another thing that the Jesuit tradition has within it that they call the prayer of indifference. Now, typically when we're talking about the prayer of indifference or where we use the word indifference, we think we're talking about something that we just don't care about anymore. Ah, we're indifferent to it. It doesn't matter to us. That's not how that word is used here. Rather, the word indifference in this setting is used to speak about becoming indifferent to anything other than the will of God in our lives. In other words, we hold with open hands our own desires and intentions for our lives. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, 
he prayed a prayer just like this. He didn't care less about what he was going through. Rather, he cared very much about what he was going through. He took it to the Lord, sweating in prayer, and yet he prayed, Lord, if you will take this cup from me, and then here's the prayer of indifference. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, make me indifferent to anything other than your will for my life. Through this, we can experience that peace that surpasses all understanding. We can set aside our own desires and allow God to lead us into his will for our lives. So I hopped a bus. I got to the airport. I finally arrived here in Southwest Florida, ready for my interview, but just two hours late. I ended up spending several days with the staff and leaders of this church. And then at the end of that time, the chair of the committee dropped me back off at Fort Myers Airport and he left me with these words, which are some of the classiest words I can ever recall. He said, Brad, we're going to call you in a couple of weeks here and we're either going to tell you, hey, we loved you, but we're going to go a different direction. or..." We're going to call and tell you, hey, Brad, we loved you, and we want to take this conversation to the next level. With those parting words, I went into the airport, I got through security, I got to my gate, and I sat down and I called my wife, and I said, this was a really interesting experience. She said, how'd it go? I said, I don't know what God's going to do in this time, holding it with open hands, but I feel like at least for this time, I was supposed to be here. I presented myself honestly. I didn't oversell myself. I talked about my strengths and my weaknesses. I was authentic to who I am. I connected with the people as I felt God wanted me to connect with them, and I did what I could do, and now it's in the Lord's hands. And I have peace. This is one of the central places in my life where I've discovered this open-handed peace that comes with discerning that you might be in God's will. Now, eventually, God did call me to First Presbyterian Church, and I have never regretted it for one minute. It's been one of the greatest joys in my life serving here. But it was that posture of discerning God's Spirit that I held with an open-handed peace that gave me the firm conviction that this is where God was calling. So, one of the instruments that we can help to discern the will of God in our lives is an open-handed peace. In the next several episodes, we're going to look at three other instruments that we can listen to in chorus with one another. These instruments will help us to develop a robust sense of what God's will is for our lives. In the next session, we're going to look at Revelation. Remember, if spiritual discernment can only be done through the Spirit of God, then it's through the Spirit-inspired Word of God that we can come to learn to listen to that still, small voice in our lives. Between now and the next session, I encourage you to spend some time reading through the Scriptures and asking the Lord, where do I fit in this verse? Until that time, God loves you, and so do I.